Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. This is Greeny. Mike Greenberg is out. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh, we're filling in for Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. You can listen to us on ESPN Plus, the ESPN app, and on your smart speaker. We are presented by Progressive Insurance with all guests appearing via the Goodyear hotline. So we saw after 18 years Ben Roethlisberger play his last game at home. A really unbelievable career in terms of the NFL. 18 years with the same organization. Anybody would take that when drafting a quarterback. Joe, anybody would take uh, 10 years with the same quarterback in the NFL when we're talking about such shortened shelf life in the NFL. It's really even more incredible to think about Ben Roethlisberger's career in terms of the stability and the longevity in this world that we're living in now where we move on from quarterbacks after, you know, a year in the case of Josh Rosen and where we're having those conversations around Tua after, I mean, we were having those conversations halfway through the season down in Miami with Tua's first year, uh, which was pretty ridiculous because he wasn't even really starting at that point. Nevertheless, that's the world we live in now in 2022 uh, none of that has applied to Big Ben's career it's been remarkable the stability that Steelers organization has showed generally when you think about knocking a guy like Roethlisberger a guy like Eli Manning a guy like Philip Rivers you know with three quarterbacks that were taken you know one five and eleven in the 2004 NFL draft with Rivers he never won the big one is what you would say with Eli Manning well he had two great playoff runs and other than that he was average And then with Ben Roethlisberger, you could say he really fell apart down the end, had great defenses, blah, blah, blah. The reality is that with those three guys, that's exactly what you're looking for from the moment you draft them. That is the dream for every NFL franchise, to draft a quarterback and then to not have to worry about that position for well over a decade. You look at Eli Manning, he started 234 out of 256 possible regular season games. That's 91%. And that's only because the first half of his rookie year, they weren't playing him. And at the end, Ben McAdoo was inexplicably shutting him down. That's on McAdoo. With Phillip Rivers, he started 240 of 272 possible games. That's 88%. The only games he missed were the first two seasons when Drew Brees was starting. That's it. And then for Roethlisberger, 246 of a possible 288 regular season starts. That's 85%. Everywhere in the National Football League, outside of the rare Aaron Rodgers situation, you have teams that are desperately trying to find stability at the position. The 49ers. Is it Garoppolo? Is it Lance? You know, if you go to Houston, is it going to be David Mills? They feel like they have it with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, but it's been a disastrous rookie season. In Atlanta, they're going to need to move on from Matt Ryan, right? Everybody, almost everybody's dealing with these situations. And then you look at what these guys have done, and it's easy to find the knocks against them. But the reality is you would take this level of production every single day of the week if you are an NFL general manager or an NFL owner tasked with drafting a quarterback in the first round. Because all I hear about Amber for this year's first round This year's quarterback class is that none of these guys are going to be stars, right? None of them. That's all we're hearing about in the buildup to next year's draft. And yet with Roethlisberger, we can ding him, but he was around for 18 years playing at a high level for most of it, giving you consistency at the most important position in all of professional sports. Absolutely the most important position and stability matters at that position. It's not something that's necessarily coveted in today's day and age because we are quick to turn our attention to the next guy and the shelf life is shorter. And frankly, these guys probably benefited from getting their start during an era where we used to exhibit a bit more patience at that position than we do now. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has been largely overlooked. That was not a good rookie season. That was a terrible rookie season. Yes, 
We know the coaching woes in Jacksonville. We know the lack of weapons that he has around him. At some point, though, even though he's about to change staffs, and even though that's still going to be a bad organization moving forward here for at least a few more years, because you don't turn it around that quickly, we're, we're going to start hearing the rumblings about Trevor Lawrence, even in Jacksonville, even down there, even in that market, because that's how it goes in 2022, unless you can build and at least show us some improvement. You and I are having that conversation earlier in the show, you know, even about a Baker Mayfield who hasn't had a totally abysmal career by any means, and yet we're having conversations about are the Browns supposed to move on from him, even though the narrative was quite different last season for Cleveland. One disappointing season, even if you've been in the league for four years, that conversation's going to uh, make an appearance again uh, in a way that I'm sure is very frustrating at that position. I do think that that 2004 draft class probably predated all of that in terms of just how we cover these quarterbacks and discuss these quarterbacks. There was probably some benefit there, but also you were talking about three remarkable quarterbacks. So it didn't matter who you drafted in 2004. If you were drafting in that first round, you were hitting on your quarterback pick. I am curious, Joe, those three quarterbacks, Eli uh, going one, Philip Rivers going four, Ben Roethlisberger uh, going 11. If they were going today, if you're redrafting that 2004 class with all of the benefit of hindsight, now that all of these careers are wrapped up or will be most likely after next week for Ben Roethlisberger, who goes number one? I want to say Rivers. I really want to say Rivers because I think his career hasn't gotten nearly as much credit as it should. But he had so much talent around him for a few years and went nowhere with it. The farthest Phillip Rivers ever went was the AFC Championship game against New England, which they lost. He had years where he had LaDainian Tomlinson, Lorenzo Neal, Sean Merriman, Vincent Jackson, Antonio Gates. Those Charger teams were stacked, and they never ever met the expectation and the one year they got there lt's knee was a wreck and philip rivers was coming off knee surgery as well he was a wreck that's it it's hard because i want to say rivers because i think the production was just incredible i think the iq on the field was incredible but the fact that he couldn't get them where he needed to get them on a more regular basis but part of that's a byproduct of having to live in an era with peyton manning and tom brady in your conference On the Roethlisberger side, it's easy to look at what's happened the last few years and dismiss him, but think about early in his career, the ability to extend plays. Back when he was mobile, he was shaking dudes off and giving his wide receivers five and six seconds to get open down the field because he could run. And I think he would be the guy I would take number one overall. Eli always gets overlooked. He had two incredible runs in the Super Bowl. The one thing people forget, those two Super Bowl runs, he was an underdog in seven of those eight games. Seven of eight. The only time he was a favorite was the only home game he played in, which was the second Super Bowl run in 2011 when they hosted the Atlanta Falcons in the wild card round. After that, he was an underdog in the other seven games and won them all. But Eli's career had a lot of average seasons in there with good defenses and good coaching. So I I would say Roethlisberger, Rivers, Manning, but I could totally understand if you were going to go in a different direction. I do think that you could argue Rivers is the best of these quarterbacks. And some of the numbers do bear that out, even though he retired, obviously, before Big Ben here uh, and a little bit after Eli did. I I do think, though, that Super Bowls matter a whole lot in this sport. So I think that if most people were redrafting, I mean, you could argue that even if you think talent-wise, Phillip Rivers was the best of these three quarterbacks, that he would be drafted 
drafted last out of these three quarterbacks because of the lack of resume in terms of championships. Eli, if I was making an argument for Eli, because I, I think that both you and I feel like with the physical attributes of Ben Roethlisberger and what he was at his height, we would probably all take Big Ben first. However, the, what I will say about Eli is not just what you just mentioned in terms of the adversity and it's easy to overlook him. Maybe it does matter because we have the benefit of hindsight. So we have to fully evaluate these careers. Eli didn't have any of the controversies during his careers. Big Ben served a six-game suspension at one point during his career. We know about the motorcycle accident. We know about the multiple sexual assault accusations. We know everything that he went through off the field in terms of Ben Roethlisberger's career. Eli Manning doesn't have any of that. Eli Manning, obviously very likable for your fan base and still brought the championships in the same way. So even though Eli gets overlooked, I think there's a strong argument to be made that maybe Eli still goes number one in people's books when you're drafting these three quarterbacks. The reality is 2004 was a very good year in that first round because there wasn't any way. It was a good year, by the way, beyond just the quarterback position when I'm looking back on this draft, but there wasn't any way you were going wrong with either of those three picks. People forget Larry Fitzgerald was in that class. He was number four. Sean Taylor was drafted by Washington at safety. I mean, that was a loaded class, especially the first 11 picks, which ends with Roethlisberger. D'Angelo Hall was in there. He had a solid career, as well as some of the other names on the list. With Eli, it's fascinating because I don't think he ever gets credit for one of the most important attributes he possessed, which was the ability to handle the New York fan base and the New York media. Never cause an issue. Like, they went at him at every possible turn. The goofy-looking picture, the goofy-looking demeanor. They throw him on the back page of the paper. They mocked him quite a bit. And that dude never flinched at any point with the brightest spotlight in sports on him throughout his entire career. He never flinched. He always delivered. And if you would talk to any New York Giants fan now, who probably at times had their doubts with Eli, which you you would because there were some messy seasons. But ultimately, if you look at what the Giants have become and what they were with him, you would take him back in a heartbeat. 100% approval rating, nothing but love. People in New York know. All it takes is a little bit of time and a little bit of dysfunction to realize how good you had it back then. Eli was great for that franchise because he was as steady as they come. Maybe he should have a conversation with Joe Judge in terms of how to handle that <sighs> fan base. Don't you dare do that to and Eli. The media. Don't you dare tune, do that to Eli. Tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Coming up next, Bruce Arian spoke again on Antonio Brown. This A-B situation ain't going away yet. We're left with more questions. This is Greeny, Amber Wilson, and Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for Greeny. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is Greeny, Amber Wilson, and Joe Fortenbaugh filling in. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All callers join us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, one 888 That's one 888 So, Joe, let's do some quick hits around the world of sports. This Antonio Brown situation, let's start there, because it has not gone away yet. A lot of people thought when he tossed his jersey into the stands and his gloves and he runs off the field half-naked mid-game, maybe we were done with the A-B conversation. We are far from done, at least for now, with the A-B conversation. I'm one who actually thinks that we're actually not done, period, because I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up back in the league uh, because of that talent. Nevertheless, We're not even done in terms of the conversation with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has not officially been released by that team, even though we at one point thought that he had been. He has not been. Apparently, that situation still getting worked out. Uh, The NFL Network had a report that Antonio Brown said that he was actually too injured to go back into the game. It was that same ankle that he had injured earlier in the season. He had been cleared to play in this game, but remember, he had tweaked it, Joe, in the previous game. And reportedly, he... uh, least it seems like his representation is saying that he was hurting on that ankle again and that he didn't want to go back into the game because of that and Arians told him essentially to get out of here uh, that if you're not firing him uh, theoretically speaking get out of here if you're not going to go into the game so he did just that Bruce Arians of course was asked about this report here was Bruce Arians the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hey, B.A., I, I know you said yesterday that, uh, you know, the perception is that A.B., Antonio Brown quit. We all saw him walk off the field, but he wouldn't go in the game because he was injured, and now he's no longer part of the team. Can you can you fire a player if he won't go because he's injured? I don't know that he was. Did he say that he was, or was there a dispute no, about that? No, He just refused to go in, or can you tell us more about it? Not really. I mean, it ha- what happened is pretty obvious what happened. So uh, he left the field, and that was it. So you didn't tell him to leave. He left completely on his own in this thing yesterday. We had a conversation, and he left the field, yeah. Bruce, obviously you, you guys gave Antonio a chance, and he helped you guys win a Super Bowl last year. You have him this year. Were there any type of regret? How will you look at this whole experience um now that it's ended this way no i have no regrets i just i just hope the best for him i thought it was interesting there joe listening to that sound because there's one point where the reporter where a reporter asks uh bruce arians did you didn't tell him to leave the field he just left and bruce arians response was we had a conversation and he left he never actually emphatically said i didn't tell him to leave and i we know how this works in that world and you're always reading between the lines it's hard to get the full story when you and i discussed this situation with antonio brown yesterday i said we really don't know where this situation started. I mean, we don't have any information yet on like why he was so angry or why he left. Presumably something happened, even if it had nothing to do with anybody there. I mean, presumably there's some reason that Antonio Brown's upset, right? And runs off the field. And we just didn't have that information coming into the show yesterday when you and I were having this conversation. But it's not surprising to me that this situation has gotten a bit more murky. 
Number one, even if Arians told him to leave the field, he didn't tell him to take off all of his pads, his shirt, throw them, and make a spectacle of himself. That was AB's choice. That's number one. There's probably a lot of us who have quit jobs before. That's probably how secretly it went in our minds. I'm not sure most people do that. But the dude in half baked. There's a lot of people that probably want to like throw their shirt at their old job and just like walk out. You the know? famous scene in Half Baked where he's telling everyone what he thinks of him. You're cool. I'm out. The whole thing. I can't say the rest of it <laughs> you though. Can't say the rest. Yes. So that's number one. If that's a he didn't tell AB to do that. Number two, Antonio Brown, and this is unfortunate for him, but his reputation precedes him. No one's gonna side with him in a debate over this because of everything we've seen from him. What happened at the end of his time in Pittsburgh? What happened with his very brief stint with the Raiders? What happened in New England and what's happening now? All that evidence is there. And then on the other side, there's Bruce Arians, a well-respected Super Bowl winning head coach. People are going to side with Arians over Brown because Brown time and time again has shown you he's unreliable and he's untrustworthy. Yeah, the reputation here is not going to help Antonio Brown in this situation. Nick Saban moving on to college football. We haven't talked a lot of college ball here over the last couple of days because NFL has been so dominant, but Nick Saban made some headlines and it's not because he's headed to the national championship. It's because he doesn't think college football should expand. Here's Nick Saban. I don't necessarily agree with your assessment of our game. I can't speak to the other game, but uh, it was a really hard fought game for us. And we have a tremendous amount of respect for the team that we played. Uh, I don't know that expanding if this is the best four teams and they played each other I, I don't see the logic and if we had more teams there would be better games I, I i don't i don't know how that adds up but i i, I don't I, i'm really not in position to answer that you know there's there's a lot of other good teams that whether it was their consistency and performance or whatever happened to them in championship games or whatever that may have had the opportunity to get in the playoffs that didn't but Look, I'm not the one that needs to be deciding what the playoff needs to be. There's a lot of good people out there that can make a decision as to what's best for college football. But the more we expand the playoffs, the more we minimize bowl games, the importance of bowl games, which, you know, I said when we went to four. So I don't think that's changed. And I think it's also come to fruition. Of course, Nick Saban doesn't want college football playoff expansion to go further than it already has because that's more competition for his team. And his his team, uh, year in and year out, is in this mix and is going to continue to be. I I understand why Nick Saban himself, like, why would you want to put yourself in a position with even more competition and even a harder road to get to a national championship? Of course, Nick Saban doesn't want that. I do agree with his point that the more teams you put into a playoff, the more you devalue the other bowl games because they just don't have the significance of, wait for it, a playoff. And I think he's right on that front. I also believe that Saban, no matter how you schedule the format, how you set it up, he's going to be there competing at the end of the season every single year. That's just what Alabama does. You can make it a 130-team playoff, which it essentially is. 130 teams in college football, go get them. But the problem is Saban's always going to be there at the end. So whoever you are, however you want to structure it, Bama is going to be a force you still have to reckon with as long as Nick Saban's in Tuscaloosa. They're going to be a force that you have to reckon with, but at the same time, you know, any given year, right? I mean, there's always going to True. be that March Madness type of possibility with the more expansion that does come. And that is a threat to a coach like Nick Saban, who's used to being at the top. Of course, everybody would want an easier path to the top, and they're still going to end up at the top a whole lot of seasons, but their path is made a little bit more 
more difficult by everybody who they have to get through on their way there. Joe, quickly, uh, Kyrie Irving, he is apparently going to make his uh, NBA debut this season against the Pacers on Wednesday. We'll finally see Kyrie play some basketball this season as a part-time player. Won't be at home. We know that. He's only playing road games. What do you make of Kyrie coming back for the Nets? Good luck. Have fun. You didn't really want to do it. You didn't want to follow the protocols. I'm more focused on what's happening in the Bay Area when Clay Thompson returns on Sunday because right. that's a dude Against who wants to play. That's a dude who has battled a knee injury, an Achilles injury, and has worked his rear end off to get back on the court. He wants to play basketball. He wants to contribute. He wants to play at home. He wants to play on the road. He wants to play in the playoffs. I'm focused on that. Kyrie, uh, he might want to play. He might not want to play. He might want to follow this rule or that rule. He might need some time off. Fine. Do you, son. But I'm interested in Clay Thompson's return because that's a guy who wants to see the court. Clay may want to play. We haven't seen him do it since 2019. I know he's still making things splash in warm-ups and was elating the crowd out there in the Warriors' last game in the pregame warm-ups. But when you haven't seen a dude really play basketball since 2019, coming off of two major injuries, I I'm, I'm a bit nervous about, frankly, what we're going to see out of Clay Thompson based on where the expectations are from the last time that we really saw him. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio with all guests appearing on the Goodyear Hotline. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh, we have been holding down the fort today for Mike Greenberg. Try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless. With nationwide 5G on America's best networks, Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. So we've been talking a lot about that Monday night football game last night. Not a particularly interesting game, frankly. A lot of people probably didn't even bother to stay up till the end, or if they did, you were probably tuned in because you wanted to see... the last hurrah for Ben Roethlisberger at Heinz. And you certainly got that. And he got the proper send off and he got the dub and his team's still in contention. Like Joe said earlier in the show, I mean, kind of statistically speaking, yes, they're probably not making these playoffs. And if they do with a very slim, I think 8% chance at this point of making these playoffs, they need to win next week. They need the Colts to lose to the Jags, which seems somewhat unlikely here. Uh, but if everything does fall into place for the Steelers to make it, let's be honest, they're not going to actually make any noise 
Cowboys in the playoffs. So either way, uh, close to an ending here for an 18-year career for Ben Roethlisberger. On the other side, though, for the Cleveland Browns, a really, really ugly night last night. Baker Mayfield failed to complete a pass on 10 consecutive throws in the first half. That is the NFL's longest incompletion streak since 2019. That was that infamous Sam Darnold, I'm seeing ghosts game for the New York Jets. Mayfield finished 16 of 38 passing. He took nine sacks last nine time, nine sacks last night. He also threw multiple interceptions last night an ugly another ugly one Joe for Baker they didn't have anything to play for they'd already been eliminated from playoff contention we've already spoken about Baker Mayfield you're down because of the sample size we've seen from him you feel like four years it's been long enough if you're the Cleveland Browns though because part of the conversation is always what else is out there though what is your other option neither of us think Baker Mayfield's abysmal you're more down on him than I am but I don't think anybody would say that he's not serviceable at all so the conversation then becomes what else what's better what do you do if you're the Cleveland Browns with him I see what I can bring in that would top him and if I can top him I'm moving on from him but I don't what, know what, if I like, have a realistically what would that be because it's not so, going to be it's obviously not going to be draft through the draft here for the Browns. It, it does not appear so. If you were going to draft a guy, which you should do no matter what, it would probably be later in the draft, and it wouldn't be a guy that would usurp uh, Mayfield and take his job right away. You'd probably let Mayfield have another season, try to push him a little bit, like Breeze with Rivers back in the day, or the situation when uh, the Jets brought in Tim Tebow to try to push Mark Sanchez a little bit. Something like that. Try to see if that will, will light a fire and, and lead to something else. Um, Maybe like the Packers have done with Jordan Law? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Although it <laughs> seemed like with Aaron Rodgers, he was already playing at a high level. So I'm not sure why I that was. Yes, but now we've got back to back MVPs. But it maybe cost you the rest of the time with your franchise quarterback on the back end. But also you did maybe get some MVPs out of him on the front end. Perhaps, but also to look at that, and that's an interesting rabbit hole to go down because look at Pittsburgh. They have absolutely no secession plan in place for Ben Roethlisberger. They rode with him. They maybe flirted with Mason Rudolph. They got nothing. They are going to have to start from square one. Meanwhile, at least the Packers, if they believe in Jordan Love, they will have their secession plan. So this shows how nasty we are as a society in that we're always skewing towards the negative. When it comes to Pittsburgh, we're going to bash them for not having the secession plan. For the Packers, we're going to bash them for putting a secession plan in place. Exactly. You you can't win no matter what. We're always looking to skew negative here. With Mayfield, I mean, look, there's one thing to say. He took a step back from last year to this year because of the injury. I can understand that. But he took a major step back from what he produced his rookie year to now. If you go back to 2018, he completed 64% of his passes. This season, 60%. Rookie year, 3,700 passing yards. This year, 3,000. Rookie year, 27 TDs to 14 INTs. This year, 17 TDs to 13 INTs. It's one thing to drop off a little bit from last year because you were playing at a higher level, you were more experienced, but you're not even playing up to what you did your rookie year when you didn't have the coach of the year in Kevin Stefanski, when you didn't have as many weapons or as good a defense around you backing you up. That's what's most alarming. The problem for Mayfield is he was the number one overall pick. And when you're the number one overall pick, you get the biggest contract, but you also get the greatest expectations. And in that draft, there were five guys that went in the first round and he lands right in the middle. He's certainly not as good as Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, but he is definitely better than Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. 
So when you flirt with it, had he been the third quarterback of those five taken, it's, we probably view it differently. But he was number one, and he's not measuring up to the two guys who were drafted after him that are playing extraordinarily well, which is Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. That's always going to happen. You're always going to be compared to the other quarterbacks in your class, uh, whether how fair or not, because obviously you're in very different situations than those other quarterbacks, arguably speaking. And then, of course, like you mentioned, he's been battling through that injury this season that might have something to do with the regression in numbers. And he did say after the game last night that he is going to get uh, off-season surgery to fix that torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. Right now, the Browns, if they were to draft today, would be 13th, I believe. They'd have the 13th pick. the Pittsburgh Steelers, you mentioned them not having a plan after after Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, they'll, they are slated to have, I think, the 17th pick. This is not a good quarterback draft class anyways, and now you're talking about late draft picks. So that's obviously not necessarily the best mode for either of these teams if, again, you know the Browns are looking to move on. We know the Steelers are going to have an opening at that position. I don't think the Browns are going to move on from Baker. I think they, they rock with that fifth-year option, and then we'll have another conversation about whether they should pay him after that. We're going to do the same Don song and dance next season you and I but nevertheless let's assume right now like both the Browns and the Steelers have some you know quarterback opening here and Russell Wilson let's take a Russell Wilson who has a no trade clause so he's got some power there in Seattle and and he's on the move if you were like a Russell Wilson caliber quarterback or a free agent quarterback this summer and you're looking at your options taking those two teams that we watched play last night would you rather go to Pittsburgh or would you rather go to Cleveland? Because I think that there's a strong argument to be made for both of those teams, honestly, the way that they're currently constructed. It's such a great question because if you're Russ, the way you answer it is by, it's not going to be based on money. If they can both offer the same thing, which they probably would, it wouldn't be a big dramatic shift. You'd have to ask yourself, how many years do you think you have left? And how many of those years would you spend with this team? If you think you have five years left, right? The shorter the amount of time, the more I think you would lean to Cleveland. And that might seem crazy, but Cleveland's got a great rushing attack with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Cleveland has a solid offensive line. Guys like J.C. Treader, guys like Wyatt Teller, Joel Batonio, under contract. Solid offensive line. I know they looked bad last night, but that was due to some injuries. They've got some weapons in David Njoku and Jarvis Landry, and they've got a solid defense. There is a lot to like about Cleveland short term. But you always have to worry about Cleveland being Cleveland, which means being dysfunctional from the top and having that trickle down throughout the organization causing a problem. Because what you are guaranteed to get in Pittsburgh is stability and culture. Pittsburgh has had, what, three NFL head coaches since the 60s? Noel into Cower, into Tomlin. They are the picture of stability. They do not make panic decisions. They sit and they wait, and they assess, and they make the decisions with all available information. They will not be forced into anything. And that is where you have to feel confident about the future of your career. The idea that you are with a first-class organization committed to winning and committed to patience more than anything else. Because the patience in Pittsburgh is a large, large reason as to why that team has had so much success for such a long period of time. And the dysfunction in Cleveland is a large reason why that team has been unstable for the better part of two decades. So the shorter the term, the more I would lean to Cleveland because what they have now, but the longer the term, you got to side with Pittsburgh because of what they can offer and what they have shown they can offer over the last four decades. I mean, in effect, all you're saying is that Pittsburgh is a better organization, which I think is an easy analysis just in terms of we would all agree with it. Like, yes, absolutely. They have had the stability. They have been the better organization over the last 20 years. Joe, I don't know who you 
are a fan of uh, in terms of the NFL. I don't know who you that grew up rooting for. That would be Philadelphia. Okay, well, there you go. I, I got my own obvi- problems to worry about, okay? I got my right. own Right, well, and certainly certainly right now you do. And, uh, you know, growing up as a Miami fan, my situation's even a, a little bit worse. I, I I can't imagine what it's like to have the same quarterback you're watching for 18 years and the same head coach for over 15. I mean, can you imagine? And I'm nervous for Steelers fans, frankly, because I think they're about to embark on this era where, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's don't grow on trees. And that's a heck of an organization. And so you hope that they hit with whoever they're able to bring in. But it does feel so important to me that they really do make a run. And we saw the flirting between Mike Tomlin and Aaron Andrew, or, or Aaron Rodgers. And we've seen those moments and we know those conversations are, are going to be had moving forward here. Maybe there is an opportunity because of the reputation around that organization to bring in one of these uh, vets and to really attract a Russell Wilson or to attract a Rogers to your organization because of that stability. And because you have the right head coach in place, probably the most respected coach in the league. Definitely something that would be enticing. Absolutely. You've got to look at the fact that you've got a great defense led by TJ Watt. When he is healthy, when he is on the field, they can produce at a high level. If you can build up the offensive line in Pittsburgh, you're going to be able to get Najee Harris going a lot more, and you're going to want that for the quarterback to lean on. Rodgers is such a fascinating case study because for all the drama that happened this offseason, why would he want to leave Green Bay? I understand his problems with them, but you've got an improved defense. That is an improved defense this year that was down two pro bowlers due to injury for the majority of the season. That's a unit you can win with. They've got a running game you can win with. They've got a good offensive line. He's got weapons with Devontae Adams. It seems like his head coach knows what he's doing. He might not be the best in the game, but he's certainly not a schmuck, right? LaFleur has done a solid job given what he's been given. And now if you're Rodgers, where else do you want to go? Because you don't have the same credibility built up in a place like Pittsburgh. You're going to follow a legend in Ben Roethlisberger. And I'm sure he can play and play at a high level, but you haven't won anything for those people. If anything, you took a Super Bowl from them. So you're going to have to go out and win immediately or they are going to be down on you. Whereas in Green Bay, you're a legend forever no matter what happens. Everyone knows you're a star. Everyone knows when you lose games, it's not your fault. Why you would want to take that risk of going somewhere else. I get it, the idea that the grass is always greener. But for him, his situation in Green Bay is one of the absolute best in football right now, in my opinion. I mean, for you, what situation's better? If you could land anywhere right now, literally any vacancy, even Kansas City if it was available, is that better than Green Bay? He's Joe Fortenbaugh. I'm Amber Wilson. We're filling in for Greeny. For Greeny, absolutely not. I have been saying since the preseason, Aaron Rodgers is not leaving Green Bay. I have been emphatic about it on air. I have not ever believed that he is leaving Green Bay. The only reason you leave, and by the way, I'm even more emphatic about it now because now we've seen it play out again this season. Be wildly successful after all this talk the last few years about Green Bay, about that Packers organization, not putting the right pieces around Rodgers really feels like to me he's got some darn good pieces there around Aaron Rodgers. And then, of course, they did what they did in the offseason where they placate to him even more, which is what I think he's always wanted and why he's done all of this, frankly, is then they restructure the contract. They're letting him out a year early. They you know, give him a bit more control there uh, in terms of those negotiations and, and his communication with the front office. And now we're seeing it result in another MVP. It looks like a back-to-back MVP 
season for Aaron Rodgers and them, I think, being the favorite for most of us probably to make it to a Super Bowl, nevertheless win the Super Bowl. I think most of us would probably say that right now they're the best team in the NFL, and that's certainly not a crazy thing to say. And where else would you say that? Like, why would you leave that? Devontae Adams, uh, business number one for the Packers has to be locking him up because I do think that matters in terms of the future for your quarterback. But frankly, that matters anyways. Like, why not lock up Adams if you're moving on to love? Like, obviously, Devontae Adams is going to help anybody. So that could be business number one. Uh, And then, of course, number two, you end up having those conversations again with Aaron Rodgers and you hope that entices him to stay moving forward and maybe give him some more power and more control and more flexibility in terms of his contract moving forward as well. I just don't know where Aaron Rodgers is going to walk into that's a better organization or a better situation that's a better team around him. The only reason you leave if you're Aaron Rodgers is quite literally if you want to live somewhere else. I mean, that's it, right? Like, try something new. Yeah. yeah, try something new, which is totally fine if that's what you want to do at this point in your life. I mean, most of us have jobs where we get the opportunity to do that. Or, hey, if you don't want to live here anymore, you go take a job somewhere else. Most of us have the flexibility. Those guys are living in a weird world where they're under contracts and they're in a really unique situation in their careers where they don't have the semblance of control that most of us have over our own lives. So if he just wants to exercise that control, fine. You, you want to move out to wherever, somewhere warmer, somewhere better, somewhere, I don't know. We put everybody in Denver because I think Peyton Manning did it. So I think that's why we do that. But you're not going to walk onto a Broncos team and win a Super Bowl the way that team's currently constructed and more easily than the Packers in the way they're currently constructed. Rodgers is generational. When you have a quarterback like that, you do anything it takes to make him happy. I don't care if he has to be allowed in draft meetings and he gets a say in the decisions, you do it because you're not smarter than he is. You might think you are, but you're where you are because of him. Okay, let's remember that. There are teams, we're having the Baker Mayfield conversation, the Roethlisberger conversation, the Tua conversation, the Taysom Hill conversation. You mentioned Denver, yuck, that quarterback situation ever since Peyton Manning left. Everybody would kill, not literally, but they would kill figuratively for the opportunity to have Aaron Rodgers or someone like Aaron Rodgers quarterbacking them. You do what it takes to make him happy because the most spoiled franchise in the entire National Football League is the Green Bay Packers. They have no idea what life is like without a star quarterback. None. None. At least New England can say, all right, we had to move on to Mac and we got to figure it out. And we saw what it was like last year without Tom Brady when we had Cam Newton. They have a sense and they still remember what life is like pre-Tom Brady. They know. But in Green Bay, you have had 30 years of consecutive Hall of Fame quarterback play between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. 30. And the most you mustered from that was two Super Bowl wins. That's it. That is a disappointment. That is a failure. If you give organizations 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play and they can only deliver two Super Bowl wins and three Super Bowl appearances, that's an F in my opinion. So when it comes to Rodgers, life in Green Bay is going to get real ugly if and when he leaves, whether it's by his own volition through retirement or whether or not you have to move him off to this season because he's had enough. I don't care. Whatever he wants, the price isn't, isn't high enough. You cannot win without guys like that. That guy is generational. You do what it wants. That's why celebrities get the special treatment everywhere they go because of how valuable they are to everyone around them. 
I also think Tom Brady's changed this conversation a bit with us seeing the level that he's playing at at 44 years old and him winning a Super Bowl last season. I think he's changed the conversation surrounding these aging quarterbacks. We're talking about Big Ben today. Heck of a career. Ben is obviously going to retire here at 39 years old. He's aged differently, though, than an Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers at 38, still at the top of his game in prime conditioning, about to win another MVP. You don't let that go until you absolutely have to. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.